Scott Harold is known for his interviews. Well, you're asking great questions. I think you're in the right career path, my friend. <laughs> I really do. Scott Harold's SOS Radio podcast starts now. Our kids are back in school and schedules have been getting busier and busier. We're talking about how we raise resilient kids with Kathy Cook today at SOS Radio. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It's interesting, Kathy, because a lot of times we want to push our kids. We want our kids to step up to their best self. We know their giftings and talents, but a lot of times they're timid or they're shy or they're embarrassed. Where's the best place to start when we want our kids to see the potential that God's wired them up with? You know, they may not believe us. You know, we're the mom and dad. We have to say that they're good at something. So sometimes one of the advantages of bringing in outside voices is to deeply encourage our children. So if a neighbor or a a mom of a different kid on a team says to your son, man, great play, you know, at first base, sometimes another voice is necessary. Um, I believe in the phrase, evidence doesn't lie. So if you believe that your kids are capable of something, take pictures, take a short video on your phone, keep yesterday's work to convince them that today's assignment is similar. They did well yesterday. Why are you afraid of today? We can also use really specific praise. You know, non-resilient kids give up quickly. They don't trust themselves. They're afraid of failure. So when we specifically praise our kids, and we don't just say, man, that was good. That was really good. But what was good about it? Was it creative? Was it quick? Was it, you know, unique? Was it complete? Was it thorough? Was it accurate? The more specific vocabulary that you can use to affirm your kids, the greater the likelihood that they will believe you. In your new book, you talk a lot about listening for unhealthy thinking. You can see those things kind of spewing out of your kids sometimes. And Is it best just to jump in and correct it, or is it best to ask more questions? <laughs> we all have a thought life. We all have that inner voice. And non-resilient children have a negative voice inside. You know, I'm so stupid. I'll never get it right. This is going to be so hard. And so, again, prove that they're wrong. Estimate, guess, predict what that inner voice is combat it if you can, listen for it to come out of their mouth. You know, kids who are thinking inside, I'm really stupid, are going to say things outside that you can hear, that you can then correct. And if a kid says in front of a peer or a classmate or a sibling or a grandmother or a neighbor, man, I'm so stupid. If you don't correct that in the moment, the other people in the room are going to think that you agree with your child. Your child agrees. Mom thinks I'm stupid. Now he gives up. He doesn't try. He's more fearful. So sometimes the best comeback to that is prove it. Man, I'll never get it right. You know, I'm so stupid. I can't do anything right. Prove it. And oftentimes they'll laugh because you can't prove that. You know, stupid is their choice. I, I tell kids all the time, God doesn't make stupid people. He makes people who forget to proofread. He makes people who forget there's a test on Tuesday. He makes people who are not teachable and humble and they don't ask for help and they don't look up unknown words and dictionaries and therefore they don't do well in a quiz. But that doesn't mean you're stupid. That means that you're lacking you know, great character or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, So, yeah, we got to correct it. We got to watch for it. We got to prove it. Another response real quick that I really do like as well. When a kid says, man, I'll never get it right. I'm so stupid. This is really hard. You know, I'm always making mistakes. I'll never make the team. When a non-resilient child gives up and says things like that to us, we can say, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Because those are hard things to feel and we don't want them you know, to give up on themselves. We're talking about raising resilient kids today with Kathy Cook. 
She has a PhD. She studied child psychology, development, Christian ministry. And I'll tell you what, she actually started Celebrate Kids, Inc., which is a ministry for, you know, that, that helps us just to, to dig into parenting and understand more about how to speak to our kids' souls. And it's interesting because struggles and difficulties in life, obviously, they're not exclusive to adults. Our kids deal with those. And there's a lot of struggles at school, especially today. But when they have resilience, they learn to push through. They learn to cope differently when there's those hard times. But Kathy, what are some of the things we as parents can do to prepare our kids for those tough times so that they feel more equipped? You know, we can model for them that not everything is easy. A lot of our children today believe that everything should be easy because they've been raised with technology or even by technology in some cases, sadly. And technology, praise God, makes everything easy. You know, there's spell check, there's the, you know, undo button, there's the GPS, there's, it's just easy, it's quick, it's about us. And so unfortunately, they can quickly decide that an assignment is hard or irrelevant when it doesn't quickly look appealing to them or they don't quickly understand what they're doing. So we need to model for them that that's not how life works. For us to do our things well at working at home, we work hard. We study what we're doing at work. We prepare our shopping list, if you will, our recipes. We pay attention to our finances. We don't just, you know, snap our fingers. And we can also tell real stories of real times when we struggled and we benefited from the struggle. You know, if, if you're a Bible reader, Romans 3 is very clear. We grow up during the struggle. Our character matures and our faith deepens when we trust God in those valley experiences. I actually think one of the reasons we have a lot of weak children and weak young adults is that they have not experienced the wholeness of God because they've chosen to, to do U-turns at the beginning of the valley because they don't want to go to a hard place. They think everything should be you know, happy and easy. So we need to model for them that that's not how the world works. We need to support them, of course, walk with them, guide them, encourage them. You know, how did a kid learn? How does a kid learn to walk? Well, they fall down, right? You know, they stand holding onto a chair, then they let go, and you find them in the middle of the room, and they wobble, and they fall down. And you don't say, oh, bad boy, you know, wait five years until you're perfect. You know, you stand them back up, and you reach out your hands, and somebody gets a camera, and you say, like, come to mama. And you break to the whole world that your child is starting to walk. If we would have that same attitude toward geometry and piano lessons and volleyball and, you know, any other number of things that our kids are invested in character development, uh, everything would be different. We have to show them not everything is easy and the struggle is worth it. We all make mistakes from time to time, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our efforts are actually a failure. And we're talking with Kathy Cook today at SWS Radio from CelebrateKids.com. But mistakes and failure are two completely different things. But Kathy, how can we help our kids to understand the difference between the two? Let me start by saying that how we define these words is really important. Adults tend to define mistakes as, you know, we didn't get it right. We didn't know enough. Maybe we didn't put forth enough effort. We'll sometimes say it's our character. It's inexperience. It's lack of practice. It's not a big deal. We can, you know, study more and improve tomorrow. A lot of our kids think that mistakes mean that they're stupid. So again, if you say to a kid as you're emptying a backpack or looking over their shoulder when they're doing their homeschool assignment, and you say, oh, it's just a mistake, but they heard you're just stupid. So one of the first things I'll say is define the words. I really think that a family conversation, you could even have your family listen to the show, but as a family discuss, let's define mistake. What do you think, what do you mean when you say I made a mistake? And ask your kids about that. Now, failing for a lot of adults is often lack of effort. We'll, we'll often assign character to failure 
Again, it could be that we didn't know enough. Sometimes it's that we were blindsided. We weren't given opportunities to be successful. Kids say that they're bad. If they fail, they're bad. Not just stupid, they're bad. And what's interesting about it is that failure is not just defined by kids as an F. It could be a B if they were looking for an A. It could be making the second volleyball team or the JV football team when they wanted to make a better team. And so, again, to discuss as a family, let's talk about it. And, you know, failure, I don't even like the word. Um, too many kids think failure is fatal and final. It's not. Failure would indicate to me that I better, you know, step up to the plate and work a little harder or ask for help. Or maybe I change courses. Maybe I'm, I'm in a course that's too advanced for me. Let's, let's admit that and not give our kid a chance to fail all semester. Let's maybe limit our use of the word failure. I don't think it's a healthy word in most cases. It's funny how you brought up sports. I think that's the world that my kids live in. You know, they play club soccer, and yeah, there's like a million different teams that get super competitive and real expensive real quick, right? But I remember when I was in seventh grade, and it was my middle school, just like, you know, typical public school sort of thing, and they had a guy's volleyball team. Seventh grade, I tried out. I didn't make it, and they said, oh, you know, you should try out next year. And usually when the coach says that, you're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go play baseball (laughs) or do something else, right? But it was funny because I had some friends from church, and their older brother was in high school, and he played volleyball and on the team for the high school. And so this he was playing for this club team that was like 45 minutes away from my little town in Michigan. And so his younger brothers decided to play for that team. And then I'd heard about that, and I was like, man, I wish I could do that. And they're like, just come play. And so I went and I went and joined that club team and I learned how to play volleyball and I did it all throughout the year, the next year. And next thing you know, we're playing tournaments and we'll just say I got a whole lot better by the time there was tryouts for eighth grade. And then I try mm. out and they made me the captain that year. I was like, wait, what? Uh, I didn't even make this team the year before. And now how is this? You want me to be the captain? Like, psh. Well, that's a great illustration of how life really works, right? You decide that your goal is worthwhile. You ask for support, you put forth the effort, you become teachable, you know, not arrogant and not a whiny, you know, kid. And, and look what God did. That's a great illustration of how the world works. And we, if we bubble wrap our kids, if we overprotect them, if we're afraid that if they make a mistake, we look bad, there's all kinds of reasons we're afraid to let our kids, quote unquote, fail. But we've got to let them experience the heartache of that so that they can make decisions like you did to put forth effort and discover that this is the beauty. I don't know if you can think back to how well, how like you felt good, right? Yeah. Because not just because you had skill, but because you had made something happen through effort. Character is a beautiful thing. So now that our kids are back in school, we sort of dread hearing those same answers. And we ask them, you know, how was your day? And you always get that whole answer, right? Good. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Kathy Cook today at SWS Radio from CelebrateKids.com. But how can we ask better questions to actually craft real conversations so we can help them build some resiliency and help them know that we're here for them when they're not having a great day? Yeah. You know, one of the really simple techniques for kids of all ages is what was the highlight and the low light of your day? And you can do this at the you know kitchen table at dinner. You could do it in a car ride. Um, I'd, I love to do it when moms and dads are together, not necessarily mom on the ride home from school where dad doesn't get to participate. But what was the highlight of the day? Celebrate our kids. That's a beautiful thing because they do need to be encouraged if you are going to expect them to prioritize effort and overcoming difficulties. But then when they do talk about their low light, then you can talk about, well, how can I help you in that situation? Or 
would you like my help yet? Or how did you respond? And when you share your low light, like you forgot to turn in a report to your supervisor that was due at two, how did you feel? And how did you handle the disappointment? When your low light is that somebody called with disappointing news and one of your kids says, mom, how did that, boy, I'm so sad for you and your friend. I mean, what a beautiful moment of connection. So I like to highlight low light. I also think you can ask your kids, you know, what was challenging today and how did you handle it? And let them ask you that same question. Um, what do you feel great about accomplishing today? Where did you see yourself shine? Where did you give yourself five stars? And then you say, was it effort? Was it ability? What was it? What, and, and if they say, oh, my teacher's really good. You say, I'm, I agree, you have a great teacher. But what did you do that contributed to your success? Because resiliency is my choice to bounce back, my choice to come back from difficulty, my choice to be optimistic in a difficult circumstance so that I don't stay down in those negative experiences. And one more quick comment. Often, if you want to talk to a kid about a hard thing, let's say that you have a son or daughter struggling with an academic area or, you know, piano or viola or oboe or soccer or whatever, um, sometimes they will not admit in front of the siblings that life is hard, but you know something's going on with them. Talk in their bedroom, talk in the dark. Kids love talking in the dark. Because you keep, they don't have to look at your eyes when they know you're going to be disappointed. They tend to be more vulnerable in those quiet spaces, possibly the bedroom. They also love going on car rides because they know that you cannot make sustained eye contact with them. Or even going for a walk and kicking a rock. Allow them to look down at the cement and share with you about a teacher who they believe has treated them badly. They're not going to open up with siblings, but you need your kids to open up to you. So make the effort, even if you have a lot of kids to do quality one-on-one -on -one time, you know, daddy and donuts on a Saturday morning, you know, bike rides with mom, whatever. Now that book's called Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. We're talking with Kathy Cook. You can read more about her and her ministry at CelebrateKids.com. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. I love talking to you. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media. Thank you.